All right, so I am talking, teaching on the practicals of generosity this morning. And um, I'm not sure, like, practicals are my thing. That was, this was really hard for me. I'm like, big ideas, you know, this is what you do. And then I'm like, just do it. You know, like, I, I mean, I don't know if this is for me. So I'm do my best. I'm going to do my best to give you what God gave me in the best way possible. And I'm still so old school. I brought my old lady glasses and my laptop to, to use it today. But then I decided I'm going to print out the pages. And I'm like, then I printed them out in this 13 pages. And I'm like, oh, Lord, if I get off on the pages, that's going to be a mess. So we're going to pray, you know, that God would be with me. And I'm going to pray right now. God, I thank you for the gift of another sun- Sunday morning. I thank you for the opportunity to, again just to come and to be with your people. God, what a gift. I just pray that, God, that your words would be spoken today, that this time would be filled with a lot of love and laughter and any wisdom, God, let it come from you. We bless your name. We thank you for it all. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I don't know about you, but the word generosity seems just too big for little old me. I think of generosity, when I think of that, ne- of that word, I think extravagant giving. Um, like million-dollar donations. People selling their homes and giving all of their money to the poor. On the other side, I think of people people groups like the Amish who live off the land, don't have electricity, raise their food, all the things. So I think of it in extremes. But scripture tells us that a wise man avoids all extremes. Generosity is simply the act of sharing what you have with others. In uh, 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote about this to the Corinthian church, saying, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in the thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. 
and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. When we give, we will have all we need. When we give, we will bless others. When we give, we will be equipped to be more and more generous. When we give, the people we help will be thankful. When we give, people will be drawn to Jesus and respond to the gospel. Amen. So money. Let's talk about money for a minute. I grew up in a church that they would walk, that they would walk. I grew up in a church where they would talk about money a lot, but it was from the sense of there was not enough, right? I remember like times, now I'm saying, not saying this is every Sunday, but I remember times very vividly as a child where the collection, the pastor would stand up and talk and he would say, hey, we need to raise, you know, a certain amount of money today. Right. And then so everyone would, he would pass the collection plate and and then the, the ushers would take the money. They go back to the back, you know, in the office and count it. And then they come back and report if it was not enough. Right. And then the pastor would come back and he would say, we ain't got enough. OK. And the collection plate will go around again for donation. And it could be repeated again until that total was met, right? Until that goal was met. Yes, Shannon, yes. That's what people, that's what they did. <laughs> and so, and so I just remember as a child looking at that, because people looking like, don't look at me. I done gave you all I'm for you. Don't look over here. Like, mm. the collection, you know, the collection play passing you back and forth. It was like, hey, I don't know, you know. But I was a child watching this. So maybe there's other things. Maybe these people knew in months in advance. I don't know. But that's a vivid memory when it regards to church. <laughs> when it's talking about church and money, okay? So I was chatting with one of my sisters a few weeks ago, and we were talking about something that has nothing to do with generosity. But for some reason, the subject of money came up, and she said, it's only money. And I just remember at the end of that conversation thinking, but is it? Depending on how you grew up, money may or may not be an easy topic for you. You may not, you may not be, you know, easily think through it, uh, feel led to do certain things. You know, it just, it's just difficult, right? And so for the longest time, I didn't even know how to think about money. Listen, I'm a Garland girl, okay, from the east side. I don't know if you know this, but the east side, when I was growing up, was was not a good place to be like I you know now if you go on the east side you know which is like you go go down forest forest the lane right and it turns into avenue d so at the light um pass down through downtown garland at the light avenue d when you go that way that's the east side of garland and so it was considered the hood the lower class part of part of town and you know since then they've gentrified it you know some you know nicer people living in the area so it's not as bad but when i lived in in the in the east side um at the end of the at the end of the street that i lived on was the crack house meaning the drug house meaning people go there to buy drugs 
right? It would not be uncommon for you to hear like gunshots in the middle of the night, you know, things like that. I mean, this is just the way we lived, right? Um, it would also not be uncommon for prostitutes to walk up and down the street soliciting their services. It would not also, it would not, it would also be common, I'm gonna get it together. It would also be common that someone would knock on your door, you know, all times, and they would say, and they would be really like fidgety, and they would be like, I got this thing, you know, it's really, you know, a good deal, you know, it's something stolen that they're trying to get rid of really quick because it was hot, you know? So it, that's the kind of life that I was exposed to as a kid, you know? So, um, so then on the other side of that regarding money, I'm an only child, okay? I'm not used to sharing. You understand? So, um, so that's kind of been hard for me. I will confess that I honestly still have these times where I'm just like, my things are mine, 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 and I don't want to share, okay? Juan and I routinely have this tiff in our home about my pink charger. <laughs> Listen, I specifically bought a pink charger so he would not use it. But he does. Or oftentimes I'll run and make a, a grocery run or something like, okay, I have a taste for something, you know, because I don't go to the store. My groceries are delivered to me. I'm, you know, I'm spoiled. I don't know. Um, and so when I go, when I actually go to the store, it's normally for me, right? And so I go to get my things, you know, like frozen berries or something like that. And then I'll get their things in like the grocery run, right? So all their things will be there. And then I'll specifically sometimes go to the store just for me. Right? And inevitably, I'll have something like frozen berries that I'm going to use for my smoothie or whatever. And buy regular berries for like Bella. And she always wants my berries. <laughs> and I don't want to share. And if I'm confessing, I did this this week, just the other day. I went to the store. I was going to pick up some ginger because my newest thing is I'm juicing, right? I'm juicing. I got to have ginger in my juice. <laughs> and so I uh, go to the store, and then so, you know, I start picking up little stuff. Oh, I can get this. I can get this. And I look down, and I said, girl, everything in your basket is for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just telling you. God's still working on me, Okay. I have heard it said that nothing changes until the way you think about it changes. After I came back to God, I had to unlearn all the things that I knew about him from my previous experiences with church. And just my own ignorance of what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a woman of God. I had to figure all those things out. And for the first time. I really got to know this extravagant giver that is God. He's the OG. He's the original giver. And slowly I began to trust that his will is what's best for me. But this was a slow and steady process to break the chains of thinking from a place of not enough to a place of an abundance because I am a child of God. 
A few of us are reading the chronological Bible throughout through the Bible recap. And in one of those videos this week, there was a poem that was read. And I wanted to share it because I feel like it really related to my like, story and my wrestle with this. And it says, and it's by anonymous author, and it says, Two natures beat within my breast. The one is foul and the one is blessed. The one I love, the one I hate, the one I feed will dominate. Practically speaking... I had, to, I had to feed myself with the word of the Lord and learn that what he says is good for me and simply give because he told me to. And I trust him. Matthew 16, um, 19 through 21, the amplified version Do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth. Do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. Richard um, Halverson is credited in, in Money, Possessions, and Eternity as saying, Jesus Christ said more about money than any other single thing, because when it comes to, to a man's real nature, money is of first importance. Money is an exact index to a man's character. All through scripture, There is an intimate correlation between the development of a man's character and how he handles money. So practically speaking, if you are a committed member of this church and you aren't currently giving here, why? Ask yourself why. So many of us are getting, so many of us, I hear so many people saying, I'm getting ready to, I'm getting ready to, I'm going to, I'm fixing to, whatever word you want to put in there. But, I mean, decide. Decide to give and just do it. And if you struggle with giving consistently, automate your giving. Start small and reassess your giving as you get raises or maybe even annually. And invite others into your giving especially if it's a struggle for you. Invite others into your giving to hold you accountable for it. And if you're an established giver, if you're like, giving is not a thing, I already got that, Tori, girl, okay? If your giving is on autopilot, are you looking at it regularly? When Josh was speaking earlier about Africa and India and all the ways that we could possibly give... Have you considered your giving in those areas? I've seen over the last several years, maybe it's just because I'm old and I look at social media and I'm like, oftentimes I'm just looking at people's feed and I'm like, oh Lord, help us. But I've seen a trend where people are like, oh, I gave to Salvation Army today. And they took a picture with the Salvation Army people. Or they went and they fed the homeless and they felt it necessarily post that I 
made this basket to give to the homeless. Or I did whatever. And it's like, cheese, I did the thing. And I'm like, that's, don't do that. <laughs> Matthew 6, 1 through 4, be very careful. This is Jesus' words. Be very careful not to do your good deeds publicly to be seen by men. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your father who is in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor and do acts of kindness, do not blow a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored and recognized and praised by men. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, they already have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor and do acts of kindness, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give in complete secrecy. One reminded me this week about when we were just talking about this, you know, sermon and stuff. And he reminded me, like, he was like, Tori, you can go around the room. You can go around the room and look at this person and this person and say what you've heard about what they've done for someone else or what you've experienced, what we've experienced ourselves from the generosity of people in this room. This church is an extravagant giving church. So I am not by any way trying to diminish that at all because that's just who we are. But we always can be better, right? And so I just remember one story we were talking about was the first year that one and I were uh, a part of this church. Um, the next, so we came like in June of one year, right? So we'll all be here almost 13 years coming up in June. <laughs> Look at God. Um, and um, the, that following year, our, you know, was there, everybody was talking about jam camp. If you don't know what jam camp is, it's our... Uh, JAM stands for Jesus and Me, and it's for our ministry from uh, kinder through fifth grade. And, uh, and so they go to camp every year, and so they were all, everybody was talking about it, and I was like, man, I want to go. First of all, I wanted to go because I, didn't, I wanted to check it out, okay, because I was like, I, you know, I hear about JAM camp, but I don't know about it, okay. So I, I wanted to go, and I wanted my kids to go, but our, all of our nieces and nephews were living with us at that time. And so we also wanted our uh, nieces and nephews to go, right? But we couldn't afford to send all four of them to jam camp along with our kids, right? And I just remember how um, the church stepped up and someone sponsored it, or maybe just the church sponsored them all to go that year. And so fast forward, my 21-year-old niece, came over pretty recently and she was talking and she was like, hey, y'all still go to that church, right? And I was like, yeah. She was like, oh man, I just remember Jim Camp. And I remember going to that camp that year with you and how we used to sing songs. We just had so much fun and we just, you know, I just still think about that. And when we came back, how we sang the songs in the car and just how sweet it was. And she talked about wanting, you know, to know God. And we talked about, you know, her own relationship with God. But just to think about that, like, you know, you and this church planted a seed in her through your gift and your generosity in sending her to camp. That was their only time to be able to go. And that maybe have, may have been the only time that she felt really loved and seen and by strangers, people she didn't even know. So just think about your giving differently. Think about the, the impact that it can have on generations. 
You can't, you can't outgive God. All right, generosity with your time and your home. So I asked a lot of people to give me like feedback, just like when they think about generosity of our church that has nothing to do with money, but just generosity in general. And um, several people kind of, several people shared, and it was really sweet. A few people shared a similar story, like um, just remembering how people drove hundreds of miles and drove hours and took off a day of work to come and attend their family or their loved one's funeral and just how much that meant for them, meant to them. That someone took off work to go and attend a funeral of someone they didn't even know, but they knew you. And some of them shared about um, just the invitation to, uh, to, their, to people's homes, like on holidays and big, like hard times for people when you, maybe you can't go home or family is hard for you, but you were invited into someone else's family and considered family. You didn't have to think about where you were going. You didn't have to think about if I was going to be alone. You knew that you could go and be there and you would be considered family. Some, others, some other people just shared how special it was just to be invited as a young person into older people's homes and then just to be loved by their kids and just invited again into their family. I remember when my mom was in the hospital and how special it was for people to reach out to me and uh, because I would have to, I was there every day, so I would have to take Bella, who was probably um, four or five at the time, with me to the hospital. So she would have to sit in the hospital with, with me every day. And I just remember how special that was for someone to call and say, hey, can I come and pick up Bella for the day so she doesn't have to sit here again with you at the hospital? And on the day of my mother's wake, uh, of her passing in, we had her wake, the first person through the door was from, from this church and how special that was for me. Didn't know my mama, but you were there because you knew me. What you do with your home and time is important. Practicals. Be intentional in how you use your home. I've been I've been so encouraged with Leia and her roommates. Um, and if you don't know, Leia is my oldest daughter. She just turned twenty, and uh, and it's been a bittersweet season of seeing her being an adult. Kinda, you know, being an adult and living at our home and with other four other roommates and just how special that has been just to hear like all the ways they are using their home on purpose, like using my home on purpose. Like, no, mom, no, mom. That's why we wanted to have this house. We wanted to have a house where the door, there was an open door policy, like people can come in and feel safe and welcome and loved. Just been so sweet for me um, to see, you know, that that's what focus does. And that's what focus instills in you guys just to be loving and welcoming and, and have that spirit, right. Of hospitality. I remember Leslie Rowe, I don't know if some of y'all may know her, but she's one of the co-leaders of the Denton church. Um, 
and telling me years ago when she still lived in Garland how um, they didn't lock their doors. And she was like, it's guys anyway, it's all guys. And I'm like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I live, you know, I live with one DS, so I don't know about the open door policy. You know. <laughs> but truth be told, Juan is the leader of hospitality in our home. He has led me throughout the years to be more like him. He loves to have people over and feed them. Sometimes, but it's really bad. I just want to say this. Sometimes, <laughs> let's not get, oh, Juan is so great. Yes, Juan is great. Amazing. <laughs> but, Juan, so like, before we converted our garage to like this, you know, big hangout space that it is now, but he uh, would grill in the front yard. So we have, so our, um, our garages are uh, forward, uh, front facing, right? So we don't drive to the, we drive up. You can see when people are home and when they get home and stuff, right? And so he would, he would be out, you know, so people could see he was out in the garage and he was grilling and he's doing his thing, right? And so I just remember this because I'm like, what is happening? But um, one day he was grilling tacos or something out there on like the griddle, like the Blackstone. And one of our neighbors, he was new to the community and uh, Juan was making my taco, and he saw him walk into the mailbox, right? Because we have like community, like little mailboxes. And he was walking to the mail. He was like, in the middle of making my taco, he stopped, ran over there to to talk to the man, and gave him my taco. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening? But we love it. It's just fun. It's fun, but we love it. We love people. We love having people over, and we want them to feel special. I remember really recently this story. I'm gonna I'm gonna phrase as ta as Tana Stewart, like Tana versus Martha Stewart. Like you put them together. Um, we had dinner recently, pretty recently at the Worsham's house, and you know, leading up to it, Tana was like, "Well, tell me all the." Um, Tell me what Bella likes, because it was just me and Bella coming over. And she was like, tell me, tell me what kind of foods Bella likes. She, what does she like most? You know, like, um, like food. And then what kind, of, what kind of her drinks does she like? And what kind of um, dessert does she like? It was all about making Bella feel special. And I just remember walking away from that experience like, man, what would it have been like to be one of her children? I know home and family doesn't symbolize like special memories for a lot of us, you know, like sometimes it's hard to think about, think about home, just like maybe sometimes it's hard to think about God being our father, being a good thing because our actual or biological father isn't present or wasn't present or it wasn't a good experience or home. When you think about home, it wasn't a good experience. It doesn't bring you joy. You don't feel love. You didn't feel loved. But you have an opportunity to give what you didn't get. You have an opportunity to reframe that in, in your mind because of what, because of who you are and because you, who you've decided to be. I mama hard and I mama so much because I wish I had a mama. And it's important to me that no one no child feels unloved. 
But this won't happen on this won't happen on on accident. It will have to be done on purpose. It won't be easy. And it'll take commitment on your part. But it'll be worth it. Look at how you spend your time. Are you creating space in your life to invite people into it? Does your home look like Jesus? Are you going out of your way to love people well? One of the sweetest things I get to have getting to do in this season, since I don't have littles, right, over the last couple of years, um, I've been training Bella to babysit. But the real root of this is I've been teaching her how to work. Okay, we all need to know how to work. Amen. We all need to know how to work. Okay. We need some tools. We need to know how to work. Okay. Um, But I've been teaching her how to work through service, right? Serving others. And so so I reached out to a few families, and we've gotten to volunteer to go play with their kids and give the um, parents an opportunity to do something else, right? So last night we got to watch some really sweet girls. Um, We ran around the house and played laughed at some of the things they were saying on repeat, like, I'm not biting no more butts. <laughs> I'm like, girl, what? Okay. <laughs> we got to sing songs with them at bedtime. At bedtime, we're required to sing three songs. It started out with Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Then it was Away in a manger. And then it was. Jesus loves me. I was going to try to sing it, but that wasn't working. So I'm going to sing it. Jesus loves me. And then we prayed and we got hugs and we got kisses. It was just so sweet and just so fun for me to get to do this with Bella. And I I hope that there are memories that she carries with her the rest of her life. And I feel just so honored to be invited into people's family, to be trusted with their kids. What an indescribable gift. God reminded me on my way to church this morning because I hadn't thought about this. um, But um, the reason why that's important to me is because it was given to me. When, um, when I first had Leia, right, she was born and she had to go to the NICU. She had something called like a step B infection, so she couldn't be around people. She had to be in the NICU for uh, a couple of weeks. And so, but when she came home, she was still, um, you know, sick. She was still, you know, still in recovery. And so, it, you know, 20 years ago, just so y'all know, young people, okay. There was not a thing called paternity leave, okay? You had vacation time, and when that vacation time came, came and went, you had to go back to work. So my husband at the time, he only had, you know, a couple of weeks off of work. And so by the time, you know, we had Leia, he had used those couple of weeks while we were in the hospital with her. And then so when I, when I got home, I was on my own, like completely on my own. Like, you know, my mom came for like four hours one time and then you know even though she had taken off an entire week she came for four hours to help me with Leia when we got home 
And so, um, so I was crazy. If I'm being honest, I was crazy. And I, cause Leia would not sleep. And so she, okay. She would sleep for an hour and then she would wake up. And so there was no, like, there's no sleeping for her. There was no sleeping for me. And so we probably both was crazy. Okay. And so I just remember going to my grandmother's house one day and I'm in tears. I had went to the doctor and the doctor gave me some like antipsychotic pills or something like that. And so, and that, which made me go to sleep. And I'm like, I can't go to sleep. A baby is up. How long is this thing working? You know? So I go to my grandmother's house and she's like, girl, give me this baby. Give me the baby. You go home and sleep for four hours and come back and get her. And she said, and you do this every single day until you get better. You give out of the overflow of what has been given to you. I have been blessed so richly by so many people. So I don't even, how can I not give? Be generous in how you spend your time and use your home. So I told you about how I grew up in the hood, you know. And uh, so let me tell you about where I live now. We live about 30 minutes away on a good day in a little city called Nevada. When you go through the, down the country road, um, there's a little placard that says population, you know, like any little small town. And I think it's the population says 892, right, babe? Huh? Oh, it's a thousand now. So it used to say 892, now it's a thousand. Okay. So it's a really small town, right? Um, so when we moved out there, we was, I was so afraid to move 30 minutes away. I was so afraid. But we couldn't compromise or find anything local. And so every time we would go, it was a new construction. So every time we would go out to see the house, I would walk the U, because we have like a little U-shaped community, and it's only like 50 homes now. But I would walk the U, and I would pray. I would walk the U by myself. And I would pray. I would pray over the two or three homes that were there, and I would pray over the empty lots that the, the land, you know, over the people to come, right? Because I just wanted my kids to have an opportunity. And I wanted it to be a good thing that we had moved 30 minutes away. One of the things, um, and God answered that prayer, amen. And one of the things um, that I didn't pray for specifically, but found was just this group of just friends that just became like my family. And we affectionately call ourselves the Hot Mess Express. <laughs> Together we survived last 10 years. We've done so many Bible studies together. We have literally walked circles around our homes, praying over our family and the things that are going on at the time. We have been able to witness miracle after miracle of God just working in our families and our marriages and all the things. We've laughed until we cried together, grieved the loss of loved ones, and most of all, we've just really just become family. So naturally, I asked my girls, I asked the Hot Mess Express about this just topic of generosity, right? Um, and one of my friends, you know, one of them, she was just like telling me, 
big picture, you know, what the church as a whole should do with society and community and all things. And the other one just like went to the core of like what we should be doing as believers, right? And the one thing that she, she wrote back to me was just this significance of sharing the Lord with others. She wrote, you are a perfect example of being generous. You've used your knowledge of God's word many times to not only emphasize with me, but hold me accountable when I needed to be pulled back to the black and white pages of the Bible. That generosity has helped me way more than money ever could. So practically tell people about Jesus. In Ronnie's book, Seeing God, Seeing You, he writes, we lead people to Christ through sharing the faith of the gospels, sowing the kingdom seed, and then in the same way, we help them by develop we help them develop and mature in their walks with God, watering and discipling. Colossians 1, 28 through 29 says, so naturally we, pro- we proclaim Christ. We warn everyone we meet and we teach everyone we can all that we know about him. So that if possible, we may bring every man up to his full maturity in Christ. This is what I am working at all the time with all the strength that God gives. I tell my kids all the time, mom won't be here always. There will be a day when they'll no longer be able to call, call me or come over or solicit advice from me. But while I'm on this earth, I'm going to always point you back to Jesus. In the morning, it's Jesus. In the afternoon, it's Jesus. In the evening, it's Jesus. When I'm happy, it's Jesus. When I'm sad, it's Jesus. When I want to give up, it's Jesus. When I don't know what to do, it's Jesus. It's all about you knowing Jesus. Oh, Lord. God brought this song to my my, uh, memory while I was writing all this, and so I'm going to sing it. It's just a chorus, and it's like a, it's like a, almost like a, mm, I want to say Negro, like, I'm not, I'm saying Negro because that's the way I uh, learned it, okay? So don't get offended by me saying it, okay? Uh, A Negro spiritual that we would, like, sing, like, in the church, you know, like, it would be like, and it goes, it go, it's, just, it's just something that's on repeat. And it was like, this may be my last time. This may be my last time. This may be my last time. It may be my last time. I don't know. Meaning, this may be the last time I see you. 
This may be the last time I get to stand up here on this stage. This may be the last time that I get to see your face. It may be the last time, but I want you to hear me proclaiming Jesus more than proclaiming me. I want, to, I want to tell you to look for Jesus more than look at man and social media and influencers and all the voices that call out to us today. Be looking for Jesus. Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24 says, This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the beauty that is just you. God, help us to be generous givers out of the outpouring of the gifts that you have so richly poured on us. Help us to think more about you and what you want for us in our money and in our time and how we use our home. You alone are God and we thank you. Amen.